uh, for some of you that if we have any guests with us, we're, uh, we're glad that you're, you're with, here with us this morning as uh, we study uh, men's and women's roles in Scripture. So we're, we're glad that you're all with us. How's everybody hearing this morning? Okay. Okay, we are, we are halfway through. Uh, when we finish up today, we'll be halfway through. We're, as your paper reads, we're in Lesson 6, uh, One in Christ. And uh, if you don't, uh, and uh, there's, we're, there's a really big copies, and I didn't want to make that many copies, so we're not going to be able to cover all that we had to, that's on the study for this. So we're going to just hit the highlights. But we're going to be working out of Galatians uh, 3.28, so... If you have it on your phone, you want to go ahead and get that ready, that's great. Uh, or uh, the Pew Bibles, uh, get it out there. But that's where we'll be uh, kind of studying today is from Galatians 3. Uh, next week, we'll be, of course, on 11, uh, Lesson 7. We'll be studying 1 Corinthians. And uh, this is going to be, next week will be a really good study. It talks about what's happening, what, uh, what does Paul want done next week, and uh, why are they praying uncovered, and why is Paul so displeased? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But uh, right now, uh, well, if everything's quiet, uh, we're glad uh, some that have not been with us are back. Uh, Yvonne, we're glad that you're feeling better. And uh, do we have any prayer requests before we get started? Any prayer requests, anything that's on your heart right now? You know, as we kind of get settled and people still coming in, I had an interesting experience sitting in uh, elders' meetings and uh, with uh, when Tommy was uh, still our our minister. Uh, he we were talking about changes and different roles, roles of women, uh, praise team, and all different things. And and uh, we were having some discussions. And Tommy said, "You know, you guys really need to get out a little bit more and go to different churches." So went to a different church. Uh, Two Sundays ago, that's when I was absent and absent, uh, and went to see uh, my uh, grandsons. They were going to be dedicated at the church in McKinney, Texas. And uh, my kids, uh, uh, Tara, one of the twins, and her husband, they have two boys. And so they're going to be dedicated. And they go, well, now, we'll warn you. He says, we have two services here. We have a traditional service and a contemporary service. So I said, just want to kind of let you know that we have two different services and I said but the baby dedication is for the more of the uh, not traditional but more the contemporary I said okay so it was really different and uh, when we got there it was a we had an orchestra on stage we had a there was a band there was a drummer and uh, there was three trumpet players a trombone player a sax player four guitarists a bass guitarist, and then, a, then about uh, a dozen people in the choir singing, and uh, it was very different. Uh, it was, uh, so I was definitely out of my comfort zone. Uh, a woman got up and made the announcements at that church uh, that Sunday, and so it was a different experience for me, and, uh, and the, so... I kind of sat through it. The music was kind of loud for me. 
I don't have any problems with uh, music uh, during church. I, of course, prefer a cappella. That's what I like. But that was kind of different out of our comfort zone. And I know for some of y'all, as we study these roles for women, some of this, some of the things we talk about is out of the comfort zone, uh, some of the things that we talk about. But I am so pleased with uh, people that I talk to that maybe pull me aside and they express what they think. And they do it in such a kind, gentle way. And... uh, I can tell that many people have read their Bibles and they they know uh, what the scriptures say. And uh, I'm grateful that everybody is so open to this study and has so many good things to say and uh, are so positive uh, throughout the study. So I'm grateful for your input, continue to want your input uh, on this, either publicly or privately. So once again, uh, thank you very much. Okay, uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we have together. Uh, Father, we're, we're grateful that we have the scriptures to turn to. Uh, Father, we, as we read the scriptures, we get to know you better and your son Jesus better. And uh, Father, we ask you to be with us during the study and uh, help us to, to learn more about your will and to focus on the things that are most important, which is our relationship with each other and most of all with your son Jesus. This prayer we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, on your handout uh, today, a partnership in Christ. We're talking about women and men in Scripture. And uh, the text that we're going to go over in uh, Galatians 3.28, this text, as you read, is, is, uh, is a source of much discussion over the years. It's the primary text used by egalitarians to advocate for the equality of men and women, not only in the church but in the world. Uh, and uh, kind of to paraphrase some of many fundamental rigid tra- traditions, including Church of Christ, have balked on this passage. Uh, so it's actually that, te- that this text has nothing to do what takes place in the assembly of saints. While there is some truth to that, the greater context of this chapter, uh, re- referring to those baptized in Christ, communion at the same table, is more supportive of a, quote, assembly context versus Ephesians 9, 519, which we will talk about later in our discussions. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, which has nothing to do with the assembly, and yet churches of Christ have used it as a primary argument against having instruments in worship. And so we kind of go back and remember lesson, lesson three, and we talk about hermeneutical interpretive perspectives. Remember we talked about how we can interpret scripture. We can go by... Uh, we can learn scripture in the New Testament sometimes by referring back to the Old. And uh, we learn to just read it as it is. And we try, and then also interpretive, we try to figure out, well, what exactly is, is the author of a, of a particular book talking about? And so that helps us. So there's ways that we can study that. And then it says, well, who, how, why do we interpret certain things one way and others another way? Well, who makes this decision? What influences the decision? Uh, is it culture? Could the conclusion we come, to, we come to be wrong? And it says, yes, we are one in Christ, and there is no Chinese or Mexican, no black or white, no rich or poor, no male or female. Nonetheless, we cannot deny some of these differences, namely the male-female one, and, the, and that scripture that is somewhat unclear as where to draw the lines 
are where we are unclear on where to draw those lines. Let's see exactly where, uh, let's see if we can see exactly what Galatians is uh, saying here. So let's read Galatians. uh. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you are baptized into Christ, have closed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offering, heirs to his promise. And here's some of the different readings about Galatians 3. There's uh, exegetical points to reflect on this reading. These reflect kind of the Roman uh, Greco society. It talks about slaves and free people. It talks about Jews and Gentiles and uh, male and female. And then uh, the terms male and female are not the usual terms for man and woman. Uh, In the Greek Testament, uh, for example, uh, arson is the Greek term used for men and thalo uh, or for male and thalo for uh, female. By this, Paul reminds us of God's creative acts in Genesis uh, 127. God didn't just arbitrarily create man and woman, but there is an intention behind his choice to create man first and woman next. The text that we read also reflects the same categories that part of the same announcements of the New Age in Joel uh, as quoted in Acts 2. Male, female, sons and daughters, slave versus free, servants, maidservants, Jew and Gentiles, quote, kind of all, all flesh. Now there's another interpretation or a different reading. It's the egalitarian reading. And uh, that is that is a bap that Galatians is a baptismal text that emphasizes one's new identity found in Christ. When one is clothed in, with the Lord in baptism and takes on a new identity, this identity replaces the social barriers that have been used to separate and divide people. The church must exemplify this new identity, even if it's only recognized in society incrementally, a little at a time. This text also contributes to authority at the theology of a new creation in Christ. It includes pairs, slaves, and free, male and female, even though the primary emphasis on Galatians is on the relationship between Gentile Christians and the law. It implies that uh, Paul is using the baptismal formula that was used in a wider Christian moment, movement at that time. There's also a complementarian reading. It's kind of a states a uh, salvation principle. That is, salvation is not determined by, those, by these kinds of distinctions rather than inheritance. <clears throat> the kingdom to all believers without distinction, distinction like, not uh, much unlike laws in Israel among the Gentiles. It is a question of her- inheritance, not ministry. The argument of the epistle at this juncture is centered on the question, well, who is a child of Abraham? Or who is, who is a true heir, male, female, free slave, Jew, Gentile, distinction where inheritance factors are in Israel. The point of the analogy is not a broad but specific. It's an, an abuse of a specific function of this text to overanalyze the, the analogy. 
And we'll talk about some other. There's an analogy here that talks about uh, slavery, and we'll kind of touch on that. And this is another, another theory, an interpretive analogy, because this talks about slave and free. So we'll touch on that. It says, while slavery in the Hebrew Scriptures was a significant improvement over slavery in the surrounding ancient Hebrew slaves were treated much better than, the, uh, than others. It's also a redemptive movement, but is not recognized even though the Christian scriptures do not fully apply redemptive principles to slavery since it never did eliminate slavery. Perhaps the treatment of women is analogous. While women in the Hebrew cultures were treated just like the slaves, Hebrew women were treated in superior ways than the other culture. Perhaps the position of women in the New Testament is not intended as the final state, uh, state of redemptive movement, but as the stage most appropriate for the setting in which the early church found itself. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, when it talks, the, the notes I have talks about slavery and separate but equal, and, uh, and so we talked about different readings of Galatians. Uh, there's... Uh, different views, and it talks about which one you find the most convincing. Uh, and uh, also, it asks, do we do believe, you know, when we talk about the slavery and the racial prejudice at that time, I wrote up some notes. <clears throat> I'm talking about kind of the slavery issue. You know, pro-slavery authors... Uh, Back during the Civil War, they made some fanciful interpretations of uh, of Genesis uh, 9:24, saying that Africans uh, were the descendants of Canaan and they were cursed always to be slaves. That was kind of a pro-slavery argument back then. And uh, and in Exodus, uh, this is more or less kind of an anti. It said, I, God, this is from Exodus 6, 5, I, God, have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians uh, keep in bondage. And then, uh, do you all remember uh, what uh, President Lincoln, uh, what, what scripture he quoted during this time? Remember what Abraham Lincoln spoke about slavery, what scripture he used? Is from uh, from Luke. Do you remember what Lincoln said? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I appreciate your way. It, I appreciate what you're saying. And when we have this study, and this was a lengthy study, I, I cannot tell you uh, how many notes that we have on this study and how much research has done, been done on this simple uh, scripture that we just read. I, I've, and until we started studying this uh, about the roles of women, I had no idea uh, that there is so much information online and that uh, that have been talked about in seminars and uh, that there's so much about this simple topic and of course uh, you know the when we kind of finish up today we'll kind of get back to exactly exactly what you're what you're saying and uh, there's so much written but it is just really basic and, and simple to me and uh, there's a there's a study that we have this one's about 20 pages uh, by a uh, Durham and uh, Wright that uh, they went to an important conference and talked about that and there's 20 pages and the last page uh, summarizes exactly what you said yeah yeah well this is a, it is a great copy so it summarizes exactly what you said Brian Yes. And read strictly based on what's what is said. And um, this uh, this is like I said, most of the your egalitarians, your feminists, uh, they they the ones that take the scripture and they look at it. And they just read those three things that God created. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, nor slave or free. And um, but without looking at the context. And when you look at It's about uh, about inheritance and salvation, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's it's amazing all the and and uh, you know, some people take that scripture we just read and they turn it around. They're talking about the how worship service should be and, and things like that. And it's not about that. It's about the inheritance. And it's about salvation because the word heirs is used and it's talking about the the salvation that that we inherit. So uh, you're you're exactly right, Carol. I I agree. I agree. I think it's interesting. Uh, maybe maybe some of y'all don't. Uh, you know, and some people say, well, are we discussing these roles on women because we are trying to follow what other churches are doing, or another church maybe has this trend, and we thought, well, hey, you know, we need to jump on this trend, or they're doing this at this church up in the Dallas area, Fort Worth area, then then we need to to follow that trend and we're not doing that uh, we we and I like what Michael O'Brien said in, in his class when I was first class upstairs because we just we kind of talked about classes afterwards and he said you know what is so great about this this family and he said and he's been a counselor for 30 years he says what's so great about this church family is the maturity level he says that he says when I talk with families at school at, at a junior high level 
that are very dysfunctional, one of the common denominators in that dysfunctional family is lack of discussions. They don't have the discussions. They're, they're not discussed things that are controversial. They don't have the talks around the table. The family and the, the parents and the children may not talk and visit. And so they don't have these discussions. And so it causes problems in the family dynamics there. Well, I, I think it's great that this family is so strong in their faith and, and is well-read that we can, we can have these discussions, even though some things may be very controversial. But I think it says a lot about the maturity of this group and the others in the classes that we can have this conversation and uh, we can still love another, love one another, and we can still disagree on some things. But uh, I think we can all still. I don't think it's going to divide this church, and I think we can still remain close. And I think these are discussions that we need to have uh, as my kids grow up here and leave and go other places. They're exposed to different things than, than what they grew up here at this church. And I think it's interesting that if we study this and, the, and our kids say, well, we're doing this, they're doing this here, and we can say, well, you know, we've talked about that. We've talked about women's roles. And so I think it's important that we have this discussion. And, uh, you know, when we get through this series, we're going to go, we're going to go back and we're going to study in the book of Matthew. But uh, I, I appreciate anybody's opinion on this because in some churches uh, it has divided some churches. And uh, it has caused some controversy, but I don't see that happening here. Yes, ma'am. Yes. That what? That I was on God's You're on, yeah. It's all perceptive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. referenced Abraham Lincoln. I always like this, and uh, I like this. This is from Luke. Uh, he quoted this. Uh, uh, Luke eleven seventeen. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against its house against, and a house divided against a house uh, falleth. And uh, so, I think we need to we need to remain united, and we need to have these discussions and. Uh, and talk about this when and this this discussion today talked about uh, the issue of of slavery and it was brought in this year was brought up because it's one of those on that uh, but any other thoughts of, of and, or does anybody want to uh, say something about what Carol said or agree or add something to that 
Shirley. I'll try to touch on this a little bit more. I, it was interesting that this was brought up in the study. Uh, <clears throat> any other thoughts? Thank you. You know, and, and, and in reading this, uh, I want to read uh, uh, from the, con the conclusion of part I read earlier, but I also would like to read from Titus. And if you'd like to go along and read with me, uh, this is from Titus. And then this is, uh, this is Paul's uh, letter to Titus uh, and about Titus's task on Crete. On, in Crete. And, I, and I like this as I was, I was uh, studying on this. And uh, I like this. this is from Titus 2 what must be taught to various groups. And it says, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way that they live, not be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be busy, self-controlled, and pure, and to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, similarly encourage the young men to be self-controlled 
and doing everything set them by example by doing what is good. And your teachings show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot, cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say uh, uh, about us. And I want to, uh, you know, we just read part of Galatians, but I would like to f- read all of uh, Galatians uh, 3 towards the uh, 328. Let me read some more of that. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you're all in one in Jesus Christ. And here's what we did not read. Uh, if you belong to Christ, then you're an Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So I guess the purpose, if we were to talk about what the purpose of this lesson was today, it was to let you know we, as we, we agree that much of what you just said, Carol, that it, it's very simple and it, it's straightforward. But we kind of like to know there are other opinions on that. We kind of like to, uh, for people to know where, with that other, what other people are thinking and, and that other people that might have an agenda, how they read that scripture. Uh, I liked what uh, <clears throat> uh, Durham and Wright said as they concluded. And on conclusion, talking about, I mean, this is an exhaustive study. And here's the conclusion. I think it's important to read the conclusion because uh, it says, I think it's high time to sum things up. I have said enough to show you or I think the evidence points. He says, I believe we have seriously misread the revelant revelant passage in the New Testament, no doubt not least through a long process of assumption, tradition, and all kinds of post-biblical and sub-biblical attitudes that have crept into Christianity. Just as I think we need to radically change our traditional pictures of the afterlife away from medieval models and back to biblical ones, we need to radically change our traditional pictures of both men and women are and how they relate to, another, relate to one another within the church and indeed of what the Bible says on this subject. I do wonder sometimes if those who present radical challenges, which is uh, what some refer to the way they read that scripture, uh, to Christianity have been all the more eager to make out of the Bible certain things about women as an excuse for claiming that Christianity uh, is a wicked thing and we should abandon it. Of course, there have been plenty of Christians who have been given out, who have been given outsiders plenty of chances to make that sort of comment. But perhaps in our generation, we have an opportunity to take a step, a large step back in the right direction. I hope and pray that this conference that he was at, that the work of society may be used for God in exactly the right way. Uh, you know, we, we believe uh, this scripture is about tradition and it is about salvation. Uh, do we think it's important to know what things are changing, what are the people thinking, and how culture uh, views this scripture? I think it's important to know what people think. Uh, and uh, I think it's a very simple, straightforward uh, uh, couple of verses about inheritance and about salvation. Uh, Brian, do you have anything else to add that I didn't bring up?
Yeah, no, I, I, but, 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 uh, what I was going to say is, is if, you know, if it, what, it would, what the church didn't end up abolishing slavery, although I think we would all agree that it's if it was a good thing to end. I did find my notes. You know, this was the, the scripture we read talked about free and, and slave and uh, Jew and Gentile and men and women. And these are some notes from one of Tommy's lessons uh, on a slavery issue. And, and uh, I kind of misplaced my notes, but it says Southern churches used the Bible to promote slavery and Northern churches used the Bible to oppose it. The supporters, uh, one of their arguments was Jesus never said a word in opposition to slavery Several of his parables utilize slave and master scenarios. And then also admonitions by both Paul and Peter that slaves are to submit to God, are to submit to God and obey obey their masters. That's from Titus. And uh, also Paul uh, did not order Philemon to to free Onesimus. And the opponents, Paul encouraged, uh, encouraged slaves to buy their freedom. That's from 1 Corinthians uh, 7.21. Paul did encourage uh, Philemon to, as a brother and not a slave. Galatians uh, refers to neither slave nor free, and also uh, on a general principle of love. And in 1 Timothy, uh, slave traders are, are listed among uh, lawbreakers. But I like what Titus had to say. <clears throat> or uh, This is what Titus had to say about this topic, and uh, it's that was what we were talking about earlier. It says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything, to try to please them, not talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they, are, they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, uh, attractive. So this was just something uh, that was in the notes to, to talk about uh, the issue of uh, men and women and then uh, slaves and free that was talked about in this scripture. So it was just kind of an interesting side note uh, about how slavery was treated. And that's right, that, that the 13th Amendment changed things, but not so much uh, the church was not, some churches were not that involved, surely. about obeying their bosses and mm-hmm.
and uh, got a Any other thoughts? Let's go to Heavenly Father in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for this time together. And uh, uh, Father, thank you for uh, guiding us through this study. Uh, uh, Father, we uh, at times and uh, when we read scripture, uh, we... uh, we sometimes don't know how to take it, but uh, Father, if we really study and we pray about it, uh, well, then then we know uh, uh, what your apostles and your disciples were saying. And uh, Father, forgive us uh, when we misinterpret. And uh, Father, uh, forgive me when uh, I do not, as a facilitator or teacher, uh, uh, am not a good instrument of 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 what you're getting that what it says in the Bible. Forgive me of my inadequacies uh, and then help me to grow and help all of us to grow in Scripture and in knowledge. And, uh, Father, we, uh, we're grateful that uh, we have these, these studies uh, that we may gain more wisdom and that uh, when we're questions about our beliefs, uh, we can give an answer uh, about why we, leave, why we believe what we believe. And we're grateful that we have the Bible to refer to and we're grateful for these discussions and the maturity of this congregation that we can have those discussions. Uh, Thank you for everyone here, for those that have been gone or been sick or out of town. We're grateful that they're back. Forgive us when we sin or disappoint thee, Father, and uh, this prayer we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.